All right, I'm going to set aside our study in Ephesians tonight. We'll be in Leviticus chapter 23 instead. I'm not going to do a lot of preaching, but I do want to give one last effort to get as many to family camp as we can. Leviticus chapter 23, let's begin by reading verses 33 and 34, and then we'll drop down to verses 40 through 43. The Bible says in Leviticus 23 and in verse 33, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. And then verse 40 says, And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. And all the Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. And I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We find here God is instituting the feast of tabernacles. We could make an argument that he did so back there in Exodus, where it was called the Feast of Ingathering. I think I'll get to that in a minute in my notes. And so it's a very interesting feast to study because the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast that's mentioned in Zechariah 14, which will take place during the millennial reign. So this feast is is very interesting indeed. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, verses 16 through 19, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, they that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. The feast of tabernacles in the Old Testament was a time when Israel was commanded to dwell in booths. And according to Deuteronomy 16.13, this would be after they gathered in the corn and the wine and they had no more labor to do in the field. This is why over in Exodus you'll see this referred to as the Feast of Ingathering. It was a time of celebration because all the work had been done. No more labor in the field. There would be rejoicing because God's blessing was upon the increase of the labor of their hands. They were to do no servile work during this feast. And so for seven days every year, they were to dwell in these booths or tabernacles as a reminder of God's provision and God's goodness to Israel in bringing them out. According to Deuteronomy chapter 31, every seventh year during the Feast of Tabernacles, all Israel was to appear in a place where God would tell them And they would do so to hear the reading of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 12 and 13 say, 
Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children which have not known anything may hear, and learn to fear your God, as long as ye live in the land, whether ye go over Jordan to possess it. And as I read about the Old Testament Feast of Tabernacles, I see hints of family camp. I don't know if anybody else picks up on that. But we gather together as a people. Or at least we try to gather together. Amen? So that we may set aside special time away from our labors that we may dwell just a little bit differently for three days and two nights. And that's not too much to ask, is it? Not everybody say amen at once. And we do so to get our focus on God. We do so that we may hear, learn, fear, and observe God's word. And we have a great time of fellowship to boot. It's a great time. Now how many of you have ever seen the movie Sheffy? Alright, about half of you have seen it. It was released in 1977. And it was released by Unusual Films, which is the cinema division, or at least at the time, maybe still is, of Bob Jones University. At best, it's a B-budget a B movie. So you're not going to be wowed by the special effects, amen. But the movie is about Robert Sheffy. He was a 19th century circuit-riding preacher. He was in the Appalachians of southwest Virginia and southern West Virginia. And he was known as the Saint of the Wilderness. Now, I believe the movie's worth your time if you ever have the time to watch it. Well, in those days, for those who have seen the movie, they had these big camp meetings where people would come from all around the area and they would camp just to hear preaching. And at their height of popularity, these camps would see hundreds of families come. One report I read was that they would see ten to 20,000 people come out, camp, and hear preaching for at least one week, often two or more. There's even a historical marker designating the main camp that was focused in the movie Sheffy, which is the Wabash Campground. And you can go to Virginia in Giles County in Staffordsville and you'll find a roadside marker there on the Pulaski-Giles Turnpike and it reads this one of those historical doofers old-fashioned camp meeting adjacent to and named for this stream Wabash Campground was exemplary of a religious and social institution indeed a way of life which flourished during the 19th century Hundreds of families would come for two weeks or more while attending the revival meetings first held here in 1834. The campground functioned until the early 1900s when the large shed used during worship and many family shelters were destroyed by fire. If you've seen the movie, that's one of the emphasis there at the end. These camp meetings were held under these large sheds that had sawdust on the floor 
and they had no sidewalls. And they would have these long benches in there. They would have a crude platform built with a pulpit where the preacher would preach from. And someone would typically bring a pump organ and people would bring their instruments in. And they would have singing all the time. They didn't have any hymn books and they would just sing hymns from memory. And these camp meetings are said to have dotted the land from Georgia all the way up to Michigan at one time. And some would attend these camp meetings simply out of curiosity. Others would come because they were isolated most of the year, and this was a chance to fellowship with other people. And most people came because they had a sincere desire to hear the preaching of God's Word. And so popular were these camp meetings that they would have baptismal services, and they'd even have weddings at these camp meetings And there was preaching, there was prayer meeting, there was hymn singing. And they would set up camp in the clearing there where the the shed was at. They'd bring meals and they would spread out tablecloths on the ground. And they would uh, bring their meals along, of course. And there they would eat on the ground. And some people think this is where the the term singing and dinner on the grounds came from. For those who have ever heard that. And the, the preaching at the old camp meetings was typically an emphasis on people's need for salvation. And they would just hammer that need night after night. And people writing about these meetings would remark on the passion of the preacher and how his voice would thunder throughout the camp. And it was this focus of salvation that really irked the local clergy who believed a man wasn't qualified to preach if he didn't receive a license from the established denomination there the most received church, if you will, in that area. Because these men were refined. They were seminary graduates and they held to their religious creeds and they were very structured in how they did things. They were very formal. And it irritated these religious men that these hillbillies could just come out of the hills and they could start preaching, thus saith the Lord, and that they could preach, you must be born again. And people would just show up for miles around. People would come from 30 to 40 miles away by horse and buggy just to hear the preaching of God's Word. And it made them mad. In some places, these camp meetings were known as brush arbors. And that's exactly what... It it would be exactly what that sounds like. They would build these arbors... And then they would take the brush, they would usually cut down the trees to build the arbor, then take the brush from the trees, and they would line the top of it, have a place for shade and for the preaching. But regardless of the name, whether it was a brush arbor or a camp meeting, the atmosphere was the same and the preaching was the same. And if you're ever interested, it's, it's really neat to just go online and look at the old pictures of the old brush arbor meetings and the old camp, campground meetings. Well, over time... Things changed, as they always do. And as the frontier became more settled, little by little, those camp meetings and brush arbor meetings that started in the late 1700s and lasted well into the 19th century, they began to fade out. They were still in some areas, but less people were attending by the 1900s. And uh, meetings were not lasting as long as they used to. My dad, who is 76, remembers the Brush Arbor meetings that he would attend in Georgia. And I don't know if they were still using the actual branches or if Brush Arbor and camp meeting by that time had become synonymous. But he tells me of those days when 
You could go find a brush arbor meeting and you could hear preaching every night for two weeks, sometimes longer. People would come in and they just preach. And you can still find annual camp meeting in these places where they had such a strong footing. But of course, they're much more modern now because we're a bunch of pansies today and we dare not sweat while we listen to preaching. And so it's been kind of dressed up a little bit, but you can still find some of these camp meetings. But they don't draw people like they used to. You see, in the old days, the people would clear their calendar. They would clear their schedules. And they would make preaching a priority. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, in those days, you didn't save up and go to Italy. You didn't have vacations every year. You know what you did? You went to preaching. And they would make time for it. It was a priority in their lives. But see, people today don't want to make preaching the priority in their life. The last major movement from those days is tied to what some of you may recall. It was known as the Old Sawdust Trail. There were some famous preachers that really made a name for themselves on the Sawdust Trail. Maybe the most famous would be Billy Sunday. And these itinerant preachers would travel around and they would set up a tent or something like that or maybe use a temporary building for a month in one place. They put sawdust on the ground and that's where it got its name from. And people would hear preaching for a month, maybe longer depending on how it went. I would say the last great sawdust trail preacher, in my opinion, would have been Oliver B. Green. And he died in 1976, just to give you an idea. But no matter the time period and no matter the name it went by, these meetings and these preachers were not liked by the religious institutions. I was reading one account where Oliver B. Green went to Chester, Pennsylvania for a month. He set up his tent and got everything ready and the local Methodist pastor told his congregation that he didn't want his flock to go listen to any of those radical meetings. And all they did was preach salvation. And what's interesting about that is the camp meetings you see in Sheffy, those were Methodist preachers. And so just to show you how far things have turned. There's even a couple of songs written about those times that many of you probably know. One is Old Camp Meeting Days. It says, Long ago when just a boy at Old Camp Meeting Time, how my heart would leap for joy to hear the old bells chime, calling all the saints of God into the house of prayer. Oh, such praying, singing, shouting for the Lord was there. Preaching in the good old days were filled with holy flame. Our preachers in the good old days, excuse me, were filled with holy flame. Preaching for the souls of men and not for worldly fame. Under such old-fashioned preaching, sinners knelt to pray. And the Lord would save them in that good old-fashioned way. And then the chorus is, I like the old time preaching, praying, singing, shouting. I like the old time reading of God's word. I like to hear those old time hallelujahs glory. I like the old time worship of the Lord. There was a song entitled, Down the Sawdust Trail. I don't like all of the song because he just couldn't help himself. He had to sing about mama. But, just teasing mom. There, it goes like this. There are so many memories of my childhood, but there's one that I cherish most of all. 
It was the time when Jesus saved me at the old camp meeting down the sawdust trail. Down the sawdust trail at the old camp meeting where the sinner's cry rang with travail. How the fire did fall when their prayer reached heaven. At the old camp meeting down the sawdust trail. Well, times have certainly changed, haven't they? Amen. Everybody wake up. Times have certainly changed. You'd think I was pulling teeth to ask people to take two nights and three days to come and hear preaching. God forbid when we get to November and I ask you to take five nights out of your week to come and hear preaching. Boy, things are certainly different. But you can still find traces of the old camp meeting days in America. I remember where I grew up in Georgia where my dad pastored. You'll remember they had those concrete slabs out in the churchyard that they would use for dinner on the ground. And, man, people would come from all over with instruments. And everybody would pick and grin and sing, and Daddy would preach with power. And then we'd go outside and we'd eat. And I I can only imagine that the setup was an inspiration from the old camp meeting days. And now, here's Liberty Baptist Tabernacle in 2020. And we're having a family camp. And it just reminds me of the Feast of Tabernacles and the old camp meeting days that used to take place. I see a lot of similarities here. And I'm asking everybody to clear your, your schedule, clear your calendar, make this a special time of preaching for you and your family. Make it a priority for your family. I just want to go camping and hear good singing. Amen. Uh, We can sing together there. We can hear good preaching just like they used to do. And like we've been doing for 21 years now. Hallelujah. We'll have good food. We'll have good fellowship. We'll have good fun. We'll have good competition. Did you get the boards done, brother? You got to come out and see those things. That's worth it right there. I'm going to be the first one to make it look good, though. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a huge blessing to all that attend. And I know people are saying, well, there's a virus out there. Yeah, I know. There's been a virus out there for six months now. If you want the truth, there's been a virus out there since you were born. Now, look, y'all that are here, this is about the time I'm going to need you to start saying amen. I can get away with the first half of the sermon, but I don't know how far to push it. I've tried really hard not to preach to those 65 and older. I've never been that old. I don't know what you're going through. I've tried not to look down on those that have pre-existing health conditions. I don't know what that's like either. Thank God. So y'all can take this for what it's worth. I, maybe some old timer will step up and show people what faith really is. There's only one older couple here tonight. They're not even here permanently. But the Muldoons are here. So I don't know how hard to press with older, older folks. I haven't been there yet. So I'm going to preach to everybody that's around my age and younger. And I'll let some other elderly gentlemen step up and preach to the elders. But I will say this. I think the principle still applies. And I tell you what's got to aggravate God is when ladies can keep their hair appointments but not come to church. When men can go to the store to get that 
tool or that part or whatever they need to finish their project while they're in quarantine, but they can't come to church after their quarantine. Someone would say, well, I got to get food and I got to go to the doctor. Okay. But you assume the risk and you go. You say, well, I have to. What about your spiritual food? What about your spiritual health? You realize you can catch a virus just as easy from going to the store in the doctor's office as you can from being assembled together with God's people? We learned tonight, Miss Sonia got it while she was in the hospital. And you know everybody was wearing a mask. But don't get me started on that. All I'll say on that is if that mask is so effective, then why can't I go to the hospital and make a visit with a mask on? But listen, if you feel masks protect you, then wear the mask. If it can protect you in the store, it can protect you at family camp. Make the one-hour drive. I'm not even saying spend the night. You can sit six feet from others. We're out under a tent. But come and hear the preaching of God's word from God's man. You don't even have to hang out. Nobody's going to shake your hand. But if you can go, and listen, I'm talking to the younger folks, okay? Because I know somebody's going to get, I know somebody's going to get ticked tonight. I can feel it. That's all right. God told Jeremiah, don't fear their faces. Just say what I put in your mouth. But if you can spend an hour going to the store, spend the hour and come in here preaching. Now, if there's one thing I've learned as pastor, and I know Adrian knows what I'm going to say If there's one thing I've learned as pastor, people are going to do what people want to do. You may be wondering, well, why even do this tonight? Because every now and then, somebody it'll click with. And I just hope that's the case tonight. That somebody will learn to say, I'm just going to trust God and do what's best for my family. Look, there are some in our church that have never even been to family camp. Ever. And now that there's a virus, they're probably not coming. It's going to be even more difficult now that the almighty virus is out there. But listen to what I'm saying tonight. We say God is almighty, but we treat the virus like it's almighty. How can God be almighty if this is what we're fearing? Because someone who's almighty trumps... Everything else. Look, you do whatever's important to you. Those who have never come, never had a desire to come, never made an effort to come, go on vacation. For some, the virus is still more important. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. If we treated God with the same fear as we treat this virus... We'd see revival. Do you hear what I said? If we treated God with the same fear that we treat this virus, we would see revival. I bet if we were fearful to say certain things, watch certain things, listen to certain things, practice certain things, then we could experience God like never before. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 5 say, Who shall ascend into the 
hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessings of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Some are so fearful to go to certain places because of a virus. They are fearful to participate in certain events because of a virus. And they keep praying for the arrival of their Savior, the vaccine. But what if we turn that around? What if we fear disobeying God and His Word? What if we feared missing the assembling of ourselves together as God commands? What if we were fearful to participate in sin because we feared God? What if we longed for the arrival of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to have His presence? Whoop! We would receive the blessing of the Lord. And I am so sick of shallow Christianity that somehow we're owed something. We should be on our face before God Almighty crying out for revival like never before. Many Christians like Psalm 91. The first two verses say this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. What a precious passage. Amen. He is my refuge. He is my fortress and I will trust Him. But you know what's interesting about that passage that so many love? It's the verses that follow right after. This is what verses 3 through 6 say. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. You know what that passage that so many Christians hang on to is talking about? It's saying this, I'm not going to be afraid, afraid of pestilence, which is infectious diseases. It says I'm not going to be afraid. I loved when Brother Muldoon was here and he was preaching that Sunday morning. And he said, look, we're dealing with tuberculosis and malaria. No wonder we're not sending missionaries to certain places. Boy, I feel like dropping the mic on that one. Boom. But listen, God can deliver you from the noisome pestilence. If you've got verses 1 and 2, you've got to have verses 3 through 6. You don't have to be afraid. Listen, He chooses who gets infected and who doesn't and who gets healed and who doesn't. You don't have to be afraid. Listen, we just need some people who be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said in Daniel 3, verses 16 and 18, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he'll deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know what they were saying in today's language? I'm not careful to answer you. If I get the virus and God doesn't deliver me, that's fine. But He's able if He wants to. But I'm not going to live in fear. Now, just to be clear. If you are sick, stay home. Look, 
In the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you separated. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have symptoms, stay home. So I don't want people twisting my words around tonight. And I'll even go as far as to say, if you're over 65 and you have an underlying health condition, you do as the Lord has laid on your heart. But I'm talking to those of you under 65 that are otherwise healthy. Stop fearing. I would say that to the older people too, but I'm going to let an older person do that. How old are you, Brother Maboon? How old are you? All right, a 71-year-old just said, stop fearing. (laughs) God bless you, brother. So for those who are not arriving because of the virus, make the effort. We put a lot of money, we put a lot of effort into this every year. It's for you and your family. We want you to grow, we want you to mature. We want you to be a blessing to this church. And the stronger you are, the stronger our church is. We're investing in you. Benefit from it. But you have to let yourself be benefited from it. One last plug for family camp. It's good for us to be together as a church family. It's not just for individual families, but it's good for us as Liberty Baptist Tabernacle to come together Listen, you're going to get to know people like you never would otherwise. Some's good, some's bad. (laughs) I'll just leave it there. But it'll be a good time. Listen, do you understand? You're more likely, and this, this may be more for you at home than here, but you realize you're more likely to stay in church when you make your connections in church and your friendships in church. So what I refuse to hear from people anymore, at least in this church, Well, no one ever got to know me. Whoa, 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 wait just a minute. We've got events year-round. You need to make yourself available to some of these things before you just start dropping the hammer on us. It's a two-way street. Well, nobody ever got to know me. Well, that's interesting because I saw you maybe one Sunday a month for the last three years. No wonder. So, be there or be square. Cindy, will you make t-shirts by tomorrow? (laughs) Family camp, be there or be square. (laughs) Do not forget to bring your camp chair this time around, as we will be under the tent. Inside of the facility there, we're going to have limited seating for any of our older folks that want to sit down in there and don't have to fumble around with a plate and a drink in their camp chair. Of course, we'll have the pavilion with the picnic tables that are there. But I'm going to ask people to spread out. And then uh, the preaching obviously will be under the tent and we'll spread out however comfortable we are. We're going to have a portable PA system. I'm going to make sure everybody can hear. And Lord willing, if the service is good enough, Madison is going to try to live stream that as well because I know some cannot be there. Um, Listen, I know some people have very serious health issues and I'm not not coming down on that. Um, And so we're going to try our best to live stream. But I will say this, if you got mad at anything I said tonight, your heart's not right with God. Get your heart right. And I guess I would just say this. I hope you want a pastor that will challenge you to greater faith. Challenge you not to fear, even in the midst of a pandemic. Our God is bigger than anything we will ever face. Let's pray. We'll very quickly hand out the financial report and we'll say goodbye to those online. Let's pray.